uh, my turn to introduce the panel, a special panel featuring the Politichicks, Morgan Brittany, Anne-Marie Morell, and Sonia Sasser, who will discuss their new book on being conservative women activists and other things as well, I know. Let me give brief introductions to them. Morgan Brittany has been a film, stage, and television star since the age of five when she starred in two Alfred Hitchcock films. Which ones? The Birds and... Were you the little girl with the bird I was, cage? I was, <laughs> I was in The Birds and in Marnie as well. Marnie, oh, those were great movies. Yeah, they, they, it, was, it, was really a, it was really something to be part of that history. Yes. And then she later gained fame for those of you who are young enough, uh, old enough, and then the youngsters, you can watch the reruns. Uh, she was <laughs> Catherine Wentworth on ABC TV's hit series, Dallas. It was a great uh, show, and everybody stayed home just to watch it. It did, on Friday nights. See what would yeah. happen next. <laughs> Friday nights. She also starred on Broadway, toured with Bob Hope and Gene Kelly, and can tell some of the greatest Hollywood stories you'll ever hear. That's true. Next. <laughs> Uh, Mark is married to Anne-Marie Morell, and thank you so much for coming such a long way. She's a fifth-generation Texan who left home to pursue an acting career in Los Angeles. As an actress, she appeared in many films and television shows. These days, she appears on television to give news commentary on shows that include Fox and Friends, Hannity, and The Dr. Phil Show, among others. In 2014, Anne-Marie was a panelist also at the National Security Summit in Washington, D.C. And third, Sonia Sasser has been a writer for the Politichicks since 2012 and is now a national spokesperson. Her articles have covered many important policy issues and she's conducted exclusive interviews with many leaders like Dr. Ben Carson, Oklahoma Congressman Jim Bridenstine, and many other distinguished subjects. She's been a guest speaker at the Bakersfield Business Conference, the South Carolina Guns Across America Rally, and various conservative talk radio shows. And when we're done here, they're going to be selling and signing their wonderful new book uh, right outside at a table. So please join me now in welcoming the Politichicks. Thank you. Okay, Anne-Marie, take it away. <laughs> See, I'll throw it to her. <laughs> We usually have somebody that, that moderates and kind of asks us question and answers, but we've been doing this together for so long now. We pretty much know what anyone would ask anyway, so we're just going to do it. How many of you are familiar with, with Politichicks? Anybody? Okay. Okay. Um, uh, started as a web TV show. It was uh, Victoria Jackson from Saturday Night Live and me and two other women. And it was a fun, kind of silly show. But then it, it kind of changed and started morphing and growing into something else. And when the show ended, um, I was asked to take over as editor and turn it into an actual website. And so I started gathering writers from across the United States. I started, that's how I found Sonia, I started trolling Facebook, social media, to try to find people who were articulate, who could explain their conservative viewpoint um, succinctly without using all caps without exclamation points cuss words. and cuss words. Now, a couple of cuss words are pretty good. They, they make good, no, just no cuss words. Uh, and, and so, and when I, and so I, I gathered this group of, of wonderful, strong women who really many had never done anything politically. Many of them had never even written an article before. So um, we started building and growing and getting this, this big following on, 
on social media. And, um, and ultimately, we, we changed once again. Morgan and I bought the website. And now we go across the country. We've written one book before. It was called What Women Really Want. And now we have this, this other book that's a compilation of, of a lot of the articles from all these, these wonderful men and women writers we have across the United States. And so um, today, if any of you would like to write for me, send me an email, thepolitichicks at gmail.com. I'll give you my business card. I, I love to hear, especially millennial voices. Um, what's the opposite of millennial? Geriatric voices? Senile. Not senileennials, but yeah, we need, we need older, we need younger, we need, we, we love to hear we love to hear from every corner of this country because what you what you do in your writing and you're speaking out is you're showing other people how to do the same thing and they're, they're they'll they'll say well I know her she's just like me I can do what she does too and and we all should mm -hmm. there's not anyone in America right now well I'd rather the left stays quiet but there's no one on our side who should ever be silent again and we can't be afraid and that's 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 key um, let's talk about the media <laughs> and how the media is owned by the left and how they are manipulating all the coverage and uh, putting out the fake news. I've been in Hollywood since I was five years old working as an actress and um, I watched things in real time turn very liberal in Hollywood. When I started out in the 1950s, um, television was a whole different place. Movies were a whole different place. There was a, a, a love of family, a love of values. There were you know, religious beliefs that you weren't afraid to talk about in public. Um, the liberals were, they had just been through, well, the communists really, had just been through the 1950s and the, um, the McCarthy trials and all of that. So they were undercover. They pretty much were not speaking out. As the 60s came along, they started to get their voice again. And they got their voice with a vengeance. And they started with subliminal messages in television shows and in feature films. Well, people started turning away from the feature films. They stopped going. And in, this, and in the early 70s, box office had dropped off tremendously for films. And movie studios started selling off their back lots. They started selling their wardrobe departments because they weren't making any money. And television had a resurgence. They tried to push things in the 1960s on television, but people didn't buy it. Families still were staying at home. They still sat in front of the television every single night with their children. They wanted things that were acceptable for children to watch. But you had diversity in television in the 70s. You had shows that would appeal to conservatives. You could watch, you know, you could watch what you wanted to watch at family value shows, or if you were more on the liberal side, there was Archie Bunker, All in the Family, there was Maude, there were, there were shows that would push the envelope, but there was something for everybody. Today, things have gotten to the point where 
our voices, the conservative voices in Hollywood and on television are being stifled and they're being taken away. And the media is manipulating that in a big way. They're shutting down shows that will talk about religion. Look at Last Man Standing that was just canceled. There was no reason for that show to be canceled. It was high rated, but the producers and the network did not like it. And there's a full on war right now and I think a lot of it is because Donald Trump is in office. There is a full-on war to shut us down. And that's one of the things with politics that we need to fight back. We need to talk. And we need to talk loudly and say you are not taking away our right to speech. So maybe we can have a little bit of a conversation about where we go from there. But I'll let Sonia, Sonia take over and, and talk about... Um, Talk about what you want to. Okay. Um, I'm actually, I started out as a stay-at-home mom when Anne-Marie found me. And um, at the time, um, I just started paying attention to what was happening, like Morgan's been talking about with the media. Um, you know, and I started reading up on our history and the Constitution uh, at the same time. And I realized that what the media was sharing wasn't exactly accurate and so I started um, using social media and started trying to start conversations <coughs> with people um, about you know our side and then explain this other side um, and anyway so that's how I, I met Anne-Marie but uh, just seeing how um, over the past several years we've seen um, you know our government agencies being weaponized against Americans, the, the IRS, um, our regulations. My husband's a surgeon, and I can tell you with Obamacare, um, what the doctors are going through right now with the regulations. And um, if you're a small practice, like my husband, there's four partners, um, you know, it's run like a small business, and they have to deal with all these regulations, and they have to pay um, they had to hire two new employees just to keep up with all the compliances and um, the, the regulations. So their overhead has gone up, um, but their income, the number of patients that they can see in a day has gone down. So doctors are really struggling. And um, so we we've, have experienced that firsthand. And, and the way that this affects the patients is, um, you know, the doctors aren't able to see as many people in one day. Like he's seeing half the number of patients pre-Obamacare. And so that's why if you have to wait a long time to see your doctor, <laughs> that has a lot to do with it is they just can't see the number of patients because they've got to be in the EMRs typing in the computer all day and making sure they're staying within the um, compliances. And so um, anyway, that's kind of how I got involved. I saw, I saw this um, Obamacare being shoved down our throats and uh, these regulations and just living that and seeing how it was affecting the doctor-patient relationship too. Um, so, um, like I said, I just started reading and, and getting involved and writing about it and trying to explain the other side. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of where my passion has been. And, and I have to say, I've got two children that are they're 10 and, and 13 right now. And for me, educating them is so important. So we not only have to educate ourselves on our history. I mean, there's so much indoctrination going on in schools right now. And, um, and just even in our culture 
and the news and and so we really have to teach our kids at a young age to um, you know what our history is and the Constitution and I know last, last summer I spent all summer um, working on our spiritual heritage with my kids and so you know we went through you know the prayers that the, the founders said we read quotes that they wrote to each other and um, in just learning the the background of our Declaration of Independence and and the Constitution and how there was so much spiritual um, inspiration behind them and so they get that foundation that they're not going to get anywhere else so if you're a parent of young children they might act like they're bored with it but it's so important and um, and they do appreciate it and, and they'll remember at some point and you're planting those seeds in them which is so important so that's one of my uh, recommendations for, for mothers, especially your parents. I, I kind of want to talk to you about, because there's a lot of students here, a lot of young, young folks, uh, some of the dangers that you may feel on your college campuses coming up. I mean, there's, there's a lot of really angry, angry people out there. And, and uh, the thing is that I, if you think about them the way they really, there's kind of three different categories of these angry people. There's one group, they're angry, they have no idea why, <coughs> but it's because the media told them to be mad, that they're supposed to hate Donald Trump because Donald Trump wants to kill women. So of course there's, there's that. And then there are paid people. There are people that are coming to your, to college campuses that are paid by people to protest and to be you know, the anti-fa, or anti-fa, how do you say that, and anti-fa, which is First Amendment, actually. It's not against fascism, it's against our First Amendment. Don't make any mistake about that. Um, and, and so, how do you deal with this? How do you deal with these kind of people? Because they're basically, uh, one group is like a, like little children throwing temper tantrums. And, and y'all have seen kids throwing temper tantrums in the grocery stores, right? And you see, there are ways you can handle that. You can see a parent yanking up a child till they have bruises on their arms. That's, that's violence using violence. That's not gonna help that child. That's not gonna teach that child a lesson. If you've ever seen a parent really handle a temper tantrum well, that's the way you can handle that first group, the one of your friends that are angry and they don't know why. Because most kids throw temper tantrums, they're mad that they, first they're mad because they didn't get candy, but then they're mad just they don't have any, they're just out of control, angry. You can calm them down. You can do this with your friends. It's, it's not that hard. You, you, you ask them first of all, why are you so mad? And make them, try to get your friends or, or anyone that you know, a family member, what are you so angry about in particular? Try to get them to talk because when you see a mom with a toddler, that they if they they're able to use a lower voice and they're able to talk to the child in a calm way, and and try to get them to explain what they're mad about. Now some of them are out of control. The the anti First Amendment people are crazy. They're they're out of control. You can't help them. I would lock them in a cage. I would. <laughs> well, maybe I would. I don't know. Um, but the people that you can help. Your friends that are confused, that don't know why they're angry, that will tell you something that you know is wrong. Ask them, don't, don't just say, well, I know, you're wrong, this is what it is. Approach it in a way, <coughs> I understand that you heard this somewhere, and, but, I wanna, but would you listen to my side? Would you hear another version of this? And, and don't, and, and once I tell you, please don't just believe me. Go, go look it up. Don't, don't go to CNN, don't go to, to um, any, anyone other than kind of drudge and 
Politics and Fox News or whatever, go, go to them. But just try to get them to look it up yourself. Tell them the truth and then say, don't trust, go look it up yourself. Go find out on your own. That's when I first, I, I used to be a Democrat and my husband back there was always a Republican. And he used to, I was the, the first, I was the temper tantrum child who didn't know, I was angry, I didn't know why. I voted for Bill Clinton twice. I campaigned for Jimmy Carter, y'all are too young oh, to know who that was, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So I married this Republican man who would get, we would get into the biggest arguments. And he didn't know at the time, there was no way you could get me to change my mind about what I thought I believed, although I knew absolutely nothing about anything. He couldn't make me change. So, but when he got to a certain point where he was starting to make sense, instead of encouraging me to go look it up myself, which I wish he would have done, then I, I had to retaliate by saying, your shirt is really ugly. <laughs> your mother is so mean. All right, you have to you have to say something. You have to call them a name. You have to get them to leave you alone. Once I saw the light, it didn't work at all. It didn't work at all. When I finally saw the light, I, I became a voracious reader. I wanted to go back and I wanted to, to see if all those things he told me were true. And they were. So back then, what, what I would, so I'm saying this a long way around the block, but, but what I highly recommend, don't try to tell your friends the truth. Tell them, this is something that I heard. Would you look this up and, and do a little research and just look it up? And they, they'll probably say no, but they will. They will go back and look because they'll want to come back and prove you wrong, but they won't be able to. That, that was yeah, there's, there's, so, there's so much. You have to arm yourself with the facts. That's what the, the, the conservatives, I think, have a one-up on a lot of people is because they do their research and they do, they do their homework. One of the most important things that we need to do is look at our history. Look where we came from. Know the Constitution. Know what it means. Um, that's enormously important. I'm a constitutionalist. I believe I don't believe that the Constitution can be manipulated and twisted and made to believe, you know, made, made to mean something that it's not. We are a place in the world that everybody wants to come to. People die trying to get here because they see us as this beacon of freedom. We're losing those freedoms on a daily basis. We really are. And the problem is that nobody is looking back at history and what has happened. When they start to, to have safe spaces on campuses where you can go to speak and you can't say anything anywhere else, that's a slippery slope. That is somewhere you don't want to go. Because no matter what, I always say to radical people who disagree with me, continue speaking. I want to hear your point of view. Please talk. Because I don't want to shut them down. They have every right to say what they want to say, just as we do. But we're finding that they don't want to hear from us. They don't want to hear what we have to say. To them, we are dangerous, and we're not. But if this continues to happen, and, and we do back away, and we are called names like 
racist, homophobe, bigot every time we open our mouth, what is that going to do? How many of you in this room have read George Orwell's 1984? A lot of you. So you know what I'm talking about. That was fiction. Well, we're living that fiction today, where we are getting to a point where we're not able to say what we believe. When I was, I tell a story that when I was in Hollywood, um, a manager wanted to, a big manager wanted to represent me, and I was wearing a cross necklace, and he told me I would have to, I'd have to lose that if I worked with him, and I didn't do it. But that was, that's the slope. He said, you cannot talk about religion. You can't dare say anything about God. And I, this was a long time ago. And I thought, wow, this is pretty dangerous stuff. I mean, if we can't even talk about what we believe in. But it's gotten so bad now that it's beginning to really scare me. And that's why Anne-Marie and Sonia and I have gotten together and we speak to groups of people and say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to Unless speak Unless they have up. a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they won't. But don't be afraid. And like Anne-Marie said, tell them to look it up themselves. Look at the history of the past. Look and see what this led to. And they will, they, you know, if, they, if they're concerned enough, and you know, like Anne-Marie said, a lot of them won't, they're just, they have blinders on and they don't want to see anything but what they believe in. But when they start to say, what you believe in is dangerous, then we're in trouble. Because then we lose our First Amendment rights. Then all of our voices will be shut down. And we can't allow that to happen. So we're out there and we're trying to talk to people to embolden them to speak up. If you see something, uh, that, that you don't like in your schools or in your community, talk about it. Have a debate. Don't be silent. We cannot be the silent majority anymore. And to add to what Morgan, Morgan was saying about our history, um, you know, the, a way to enslave a people is to make them forget about their history, their heritage, their language, their religion. And I think it's really concerning that we see these monuments going down and, and the revisionist history um, as opposed to, um, you know, the real history. Um, but, you know, we can debate about the, the monuments going down in the South. And um, no doubt slavery is a dark part of our history. Um, but if we, if we lose that, if we forget about it, you know, history tends to repeat itself, but it's there for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so we have to make sure we're teaching, um, you know, and letting people know our history. And uh, so that, I think that's another scary thing. Yeah, because the well. good and the bad, you yeah, have to see both the sides, the good and the bad. Yes, but you learn, you learn from it. And there's a, there's a reason they teach history in school. I, I think a reason why they're taking down these monuments is because like Dinesh D'Souza's movie and Al, Alfonso Rachel has been talking about this for many years. A lot of people in America did not realize that, it, that Abraham Lincoln was not a Democrat. <laughs> this, the Republicans weren't fighting, fighting to keep slaves. It wasn't, Republicans didn't create the, the Ku Klux Klan. Republicans weren't the ones trying to block the civil rights movement. As soon as that started coming out, 
that's kind of when they're starting to say, oh, we don't really want anyone to discuss this they'll anymore. Talk about the it. history of the Democrat Party, why they actually became the Democrat Party, where that where the origins are from. That is something that they shouldn't want to be known because I think people were perfectly happy thinking that we were the ones mm -hmm. who did all the bad stuff. Can we go to some questions? Oh, yeah. yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I know there's some questions here. Uh oh. Uh, how about we we'll start with the lady and then we'll go to the gym. I, I do want to ask Morgan Brittany because you were talking about Hollywood and everything. Mm -hmm. This season's episode of Homeland <laughs> yeah. made me insane. Yeah. I love that show. Yeah. Do you have any insight being from Hollywood? Like what changed? Why did they go from mm. a place where as a conservative I'd always felt like, okay, they're on the right track to this, too. this radical back? I mean, I had more people talk to me about that. And, you know, this I, I did too, and um, I don't know what it was, whether it was a change of producer. Sometimes you get original producers and creators in there, and they have a different, they have a different idea, and they go out. Same thing happened with Designated Survivor, oh with gosh. Kiefer yes. Sutherland. Same thing happened with Scandal. Yes. You know, I used to watch that show, and then all of a sudden, it's this subliminal message, you know. All of this stuff that, that, that they, you know, that the police are, are shown as being, you know, criminals and the military, they're crazy and the priests are always pedophiles or something. There's, that's what they're feeding people and that's, you're absolutely right. And they do it slowly, but people are not stupid. We as viewers are not stupid. I saw the same thing you did. The Americans and, too. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's. I think what it is, is they're so panicked on the left. They're so afraid that we are getting stronger and we are paying attention because this Trump election, this blindsided them like nobody has ever seen. They did not expect this. If you look at all these shows, they all had a woman president, right? It was all written way before the election because it was a no-brainer. This was gonna happen, we're never gonna lose again. But this hit them hard because they did not expect, Hollywood is guilty of this. They look at all of us as if we're stupid. All we do is buy product and sit in front of a TV set. I hate to tell you that, but they do. They think that, that the, Middle America, they have a disdain for all of us. And the funny thing is, they're all from Middle America, most of them, you know? They all grew up in, a, in probably a regular family, but they, just like in Washington, they get into that atmosphere and they become different people. And that fame and that money and that glory puts them above everybody else. Like they don't, they don't talk about, they talk about gun control, but yet every one of them has a bodyguard. You know, they all do. They all have big walls around their houses, but they don't want walls and they don't want no, borders. No, Katy Perry doesn't. She wants open borders. She doesn't have a, a wall and she doesn't have a <laughs> I beg she she wants to have to differ. <laughs> yes, she, she does. She wants to hug it out. Mark and then Genevieve. Question I have. I'll ask you how you would respond to this situation that happened to me a couple of days ago. Uh -oh. <laughs> I, on, on the way to Washington, I, I stopped and visited my, my sister's family, and um, 
one evening I'm sitting on the front porch and I have a 12 year old niece who turns 13 on Friday. She's really smart. And we're talking about every subject in the world and it went from Vikings to Norway to Iceland. And all of a sudden she pops out and says, my teacher tells me the best three places to live in the world are Sweden, Finland, and Denmark. It's because they have the best government. <laughs> and my jaw just dropped. We weren't even talking about politics or government. We're talking about Vikings. Yeah. And so I, how would you respond to that? Do you know, the, uh, which one is it that has free school? Sweden? Sweden. Sweden, yeah. Um, I, I think all three of those do. Yeah. yeah. Well, Sweden in particular is one, that's the one I think I. That, they have one of the highest poverty rates among students because, yeah, even though school is free, um, there's more of a higher, there's more of a student debt in Sweden than there is in America because the way they compensate is through housing, books, um, food. So everything else is, is much more expensive. So, but do, do you have that conversation with twelve-year-olds? Yeah, I think yeah. so. She's talking about Vikings and stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about Vikings. <laughs> yeah, but they're being indoctrinated in their yeah. schools. Well, yeah. that they they start them off it, with with Earth Day when they're in kindergarten. I mean everything. I remember my kids came home, you know, and the polar bears are dying and the ice, and we're going to be underwater, and is California going to fall off into the ocean? It's like. Where are you getting this? Remember you know? on election night, we were we were on a we were on a Norwegian on a, on a, a Netherlands yeah. TV show in New York. We were we were covering the elections three nights in a row, and on the last night, um, this woman was on the panel with me. The first two nights, they were very <laughs> leftist. Oh, it was were, the guy from Saturday Night Live. Yeah, that's Seth Meyers. Myers. Myers. Yeah. But I mean, oh. oh, there was a studio audience, and they were all excited, and they were saying, okay, so when, when all you angry Trump people lose the election, are you going to go riot in the streets? And we were like, no, we don't do that. Are you kidding no. us? No, so, we don't. so the first two nights that we were on this show, everybody was excited and happy. The next night, you weren't on that, that last no, time. You, you were there. Yeah. I was there. There was no studio audience. <laughs> makeup artist, CJ was there. The makeup artist was had tears in her eyes and she's trying to put my makeup on. And she was all upset and everybody's just like dark and withdrawn and everybody's like down. And, and this one woman who was on the panel with me, um, a young African-American woman, and she started out the show by saying, tearfully, I'll try to, I'll bring out my actress, and started to tearfully say, my little girl woke up at four in the morning and she said, Mommy, did that mean Mr. Trump win? Does that mean that all my friends are going to have to be pushed back over the wall and killed? And, and this woman was just, and I was like sitting there going, oh, really? So there was like that kind of feeling. They, that, that, that there's genuine fear. There still is genuine fear because the media has built it up to this frenzy that this is the worst thing that could have ever happened. Well, we all know Barack Obama was probably the worst thing that ever happened, but we got over it. So fear too. Yeah, that, and it's still all politics. This is still politics. But they fed, they fed us. The they fed everybody that, you know, the, the polls were so close and she was going to win and all this kind of stuff. And they had built everybody up to believe Hillary Clinton was that it was a done deal. And you read this book called Shattered. Let me tell you something. It tells you the true story of what really went on in that campaign. 
And they knew many, 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 many times, this may not happen, this may not happen, but they kept that narrative going so that they were believing we're gonna, we're gonna push this on people. They're gonna go out and they're gonna do this. Well, you know something, they underestimated, they underestimated a huge portion of this country. They underestimated the anger in this country and the discontent of things that have been going on. And that's why now they're doubling down on everything they're doing, but they still can't accept it because it's somebody else's fault. It's Russia's fault, it's this fault, it's whatever. They just can't accept it. So we have got to really organize and fight back on all of this, right? Genevieve, what? I want to say one more thing if I can real quick, I'm so sorry, but no, Mark, no. I, know, I know who you're talking about, so I know this family, unfortunately, you know that the daddy is is gonna always he's he's very they're, they're I know they're, they're kind of left leaning family. <laughs> it's not gonna help. We we had a conversation in the car on the way to the airport. Well, you but you can't tell their their children. I mean, I, no, I would love I, for you to, but it's not a good but idea. I my sister, I and I hope they're board. not watching. <laughs> you I love you guys. <laughs> he did on last man standing. He sat him down and said, "Okay, who are the Supreme Court justices?" I know. I actually had a, I actually had a family member tell my children not to listen to me. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow, their own mother. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. When she asked me that, when she said that, all thing I can think of is like, yeah, but that was a 40% tax and I'm thinking right. she's not going to understand that. She might have. You should have said that. Well, That's a good comment. You just call me off guard. I have no taxes. You would have done it. That's up your alley. Thanksgiving dinners can be great, too. You know? <laughs> yeah. All right, Genevieve. So as you all have spoken to different folks around the country, people who contribute you on politics and the like, what, what do you see that's encouraging? That's encouraging. Oh, people are waking, people are waking up, up big time. They are waking up, and they are they're motivated. They realize now. When they look at that electoral map, they realize now that they're not alone. And many, many times they thought they were. They thought, I'm the only voice out here. Am I the only, and Marie and I, we would hear that all the time. People going, well, I'm afraid because I think I'm the only one. That's the best thing that's happened. And that's had, what we see. I've had, yeah, my whole side of my family, the other side of the family, um, they were all Democrats too. And um, they all switched this past year to Republican. and. Um, they were just tired. I mean, most of them were coal miners, so they know how the coal mining industry was hit hard with the EPA regulations. And and so, um, you know, just to see them wake up and realize, because, you know, I was, especially my dad is probably the one that, um, he was always a Democrat, lifelong Democrat, but he was conservative in many ways. And I always say, Dad, you're really conservative. It just doesn't show up on your, your voter registration card. So finally he got it, and, uh, and a lot of my family did. And it was interesting to see how they got involved and um, you know, started talking about politics and um, you know, the way that it's affected their own families. And, and so um, I, I see it, I see it, you know, I, and it was interesting um, at the time, right before the election, my mom had, um, she got sick and she had to have emergency surgery. So I was driving up and down the East Coast and just seeing the enthusiasm for Donald Trump that um, I didn't see for Hillary Clinton at all. And when I got to Pennsylvania, I thought, well, that's always a blue state. And um, to see, you know, more Trump signs there and people talking about Trump, you know, the nurses in the hospital, my dad's like sick in the hospital too. At the same time, it was weird, both my parents were sick. And the nurses were all talking about Donald Trump. And I'm like, what is going on? 
So I knew that there was something there that the media wasn't telling us or that the pollsters weren't mm -hmm. telling us. And, and so it was kind of cool to see it play out on, on election night. I think another thing that I've seen a lot of is, is that there, uh, we're trying to encourage people on both sides of the fence. Because there are a lot of disenfranchised de Democrats. That's no. my family. They yeah. were just right, but they're not necessarily the communist, socialist-leaning monsters that we see here in this town. Well, they're they're trying to put meals on their table. Mm -hmm. Their um, their premiums are going up. They're trying to you know feed their families, and then all they hear about is what words they can and cannot say, what restroom they can use, and. And so they're just they tired of it. The First Amendment, the attack on the First Amendment too. I'm seeing a lot of a lot of liberals, also who who say, well, that that's not right because as the tide goes out, the tide's going to come back in. If you start saying what we what what we can and can't say anymore, we're going to do the same thing to y'all. You can't mm -hmm. put a crucifix in a jar of, of urine. We're not going to let you do that anymore because that hurts my feelings. So we're, we can start playing that same game too, but we're not gonna do that because nothing is more important than the First Amendment. Nothing, no matter how much you don't like what someone is saying, they have the right in this country to say it. As long as they're not using violence to do this, they have every right to say that as much as we do to out loud say in Starbucks and stupid Brentwood, California, I'm a Republican. We should be able to do that, but we don't. We have to whisper. <laughs> Isn't that a question? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yes, um, just wanted to know what was the inspiration to putting the book together? That's Anne Marie's thing. You right there, Ryan. <laughs> you were one of them. Ryan is, is someone that I, I found, I stalked you too. Uh, I mean, I just fell in love with, with your voice, with, with what you were putting out there on social media and what you were what you intended to do and you were and he became a delegate he was a first time delegate the first time he went to to CPAC delegate I said delegate delegate thank you <laughs> uh, first time he went to CPAC he, he he wrote an article for me about what it was like to do that and to get involved for the first time um this book is a compilation of writers across the United States men and women uh, there's there's two people one one person I like to talk about in, in particular Julia C from Oklahoma mm -hmm. She and a handful of moms in Oklahoma Realized what Common Core was doing it, to their school system and to their the education system And so they took on the Oklahoma government by themselves And they went up there they gathered a the, the group got bigger and bigger and bigger But it started out with a, just a handful like four or five women and they took it on, they got rid of it. It's back, it's under another name now, but they got rid of it. And that showed the power of what just a few people can do. You can take on a whole state, but you've got to use your voice. You can never win or lose if you don't run the race. That's right. That was from, what song was that? I like that song. I know, I do too. I have a question for anybody that wants to answer it. Um, what do you all think about the state of our judicial system. For instance, do you feel that there's one set of laws for certain people and one set of laws for the rest of us? Do you guys feel that way? That you see that, that it's happening in, in our justice system, that it isn't, it isn't straight out honest anymore? Because I'm watching it. I'm watching it unfold and I'm thinking, this is not right. You know, you, you look at people who are committing uh, horrible things and they get a slap on the wrist or they walk away or if they have enough money or a good lawyer. And 
Does anybody have any thoughts? Yeah. Um, I think like I think that became very evident when Supreme Court Justice Gorsuch was on trial, just like the pre-trial before he mm-hmm. was appointed, and I think his trial took what like three weeks. They did like extensive just questioning every single day, and you saw you saw the other liberals who were questioning him. Questioning him, they were so desperate to find something bad about him. They talked about one of his cases he argued like. 15 years ago, and he was arguing about like a truck on the side of the road. They were just so <laughs> desperate to find something, and they had to use something like that. And then when Hillary Clinton looked with the Benghazi thing, claiming like all her people claiming the fit, it just she that was just like a total like no big deal, doesn't matter. It's it's right. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's so true. I think like it really does. And the IRS. Yeah. 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 Like, Powerful. Government agencies out there attacking innocent civilians, and it's once again, it's the it's the shoe on the other foot thing. Okay, yeah, okay, so you're going to go after us. Then now that we've got Congress and the Senate, and we've got the Supreme Court and the President, should we start going after liberals to the IRS? So is that a good idea? Should we do that, y'all? <laughs> no, we wouldn't do that because we know it's wrong. We we don't use things like that as a weapon to hurt people, but they do. Hopefully, people start seeing that. And within the Supreme Court, you see which cases appeal, and a lot of like the majority of the cases that appeal up to the Supreme Court, you actually uh, like if you can tell that it's more like it leans towards the liberals. So they get more. Is that the direction you're headed in your career? Uh, I actually like to be a lawyer. That's that's a good thing. But you know, you do. You look at you look at these. you know, like like President Trump's ruling, or he wanted to vet people coming into the country, and all of these courts, they're legislating. They're they're making up their own rules and their own laws, and not following the Constitution. And you, you kind of look at this and think, okay, this is out of control. This is craziness going on. And I'm thinking about, for instance, okay, with Hillary Clinton's emails and and. and Comey standing up there and doing a laundry list of every single thing she did wrong and every law that she broke and all of this, and then says, but I couldn't find anything or there was no intent. (laughs) Okay, does that not set a precedent to you guys that the next time something comes up like that, then whoever it is that breaks a law can just skate on it. Where do we end up from there? Anybody have any ideas? Where, where do we go from there when that stuff starts to happen? I mean, it's a, it's a very scary thing to me, and I watch this on the news all the time, and I'm thinking, this is crazy time. I mean, I, somebody really, well, hopefully with the Supreme Court, we can get some more judges. You well, know. well yeah. Supreme Court ju- uh, Gorsuch, I don't know if y'all know about this, you probably know about this case, but he was the deciding vote on a recent case that um, the guy, he was a serial rapist, he had killed people, killed a young girl, and his, vo- his vo- vote got that guy at the desk, kept his death sentence intact. If it hadn't been for him, because all the rest of them, of course, were saying, oh, he was a victim, he was, oh, poor, poor guy when he was a child, of course, you know. No, so his, that's for all of the things President Trump has done, that has already done something really good to our world, getting rid of that big, guy. Big problems with the judiciary. Some of our judges, especially at the federal level, who would 
ignore the plain language and meaning of statutes and the Constitution. Exactly. Huge challenge for us. Exactly. Some of our ladies have to go back to work. So what I was going to suggest was maybe one more question, and then for those who can stay, we can talk informally, and we can have a chance to uh, get the book as well. One more question from somebody we haven't heard from. Oh, we've heard from you. Go ahead. <laughs> so, um, so I actually recently met with Justice Sotomayor, and she's like just an incredibly smart woman. It's like very much so a role model, but she is very like, left leaning on the Supreme Court. As you know, there are like four uh, four people who would claim conservative and like, four who would claim liberal, and there's like one middle. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? We need like an originalist that will interpret the law the way that it was um, that would be that great. the way it was intended, um, rather than inject their own political opinions. I think it's better to you know do what they're supposed to do and interpret the law. Well, usually the right ones are all originalists. Right, right, yeah. So yeah, so many more right ones. Justice Scalia was was that guy. I mean, he he. I really believe he didn't see left or right. He saw the law. He right. saw the Constitution. Mm -hmm. Morgan and I got to meet him. That was pretty epic. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, but I mean, they're they're all supposed to be that, but obviously they're not, and it is a shame. Morgan and Marie and Sonia, you three ladies are terrific. Oh, and I have some little gifts for you. From oh, you love presents! <laughs> I do. I do. It's our, oh, our famous nice. limited edition coffee mug. Oh, oh, the famous saying, good. who knows the saying? No good <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is great. Oh, thank That's you. Not all. Thank you for doing another wonderful book and for what you do all over the country to make our well, country We better. need everybody in this room, too. God bless you. Every Thank single you. one.